Father, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Father. We give you glory. This morning, I pray, Father, that you would uh, speak to our hearts. Bless the hearing of this word. Bless the speaking of the word. Bless the hearts, O Lord. Bless our ears, O Lord. Circumcise our hearts and our ears this morning. Father, by faith, we apply the blood of Jesus over our ears. Cleanse them, O Lord. Purge our minds. Wash us by the water of your word. Cleanse us from all our iniquity. Father, make us clean. Sanctify us by your truth. The word is truth. That's what your word says. And separate us that we will be even more, Father, useful in the master's hand, O Lord. So then the days to come, O Lord, Father, that Lord, you could use us as vessels of honor in your vineyard. And in your house. To that end I pray Lord Father. That you would, that you would bless this hearing. And the speaking of this word. Anoint each one of us I pray. And Lord whatever is not of not of God. Let it just fall to the ground. The Lord Jesus. And thank you Father. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus name. Amen. So we are um, here. In Christmas season. And one of the things about Christmas, um, if uh, my personal experience is that I have never preached during December for this long. Uh, in all my eight years in GDC. Um, and I find it very challenging uh, to preach during Christmas because there's so many familiar themes. And so much of familiarity with the word, with the carols, with the songs, and with the, with the, um, with the story of the nativity and, and we know it all in some sense, if, especially if you've been born in a Christian family, you know exactly what's coming. Um, you can literally, uh, know what is the next scene, if you will, in, in a play. Even though it's modified in different ways and, uh, and you got that WhatsApp message where, uh, Mary and, uh, Shepard are fighting for the same baby. All those things are po- quite possible, but you know the story by and large. Yeah, there's a familiarity with the Christmas story. Um, but in that familiarity, to never forget the reason for which God came. It's not just Christ, it's God who came. It's so easy to forget. And to remind ourselves, because see, if you look at the gospel according to Matthew, the way he records the, the entire nativity story, it's not a pleasant one. You know, um, Herod is murdered two years and under, children under two years. Jesus has to run for his life. Stay in Egypt and come back after a while. It's not a pleasant story. I mean, we try to be happy, happy people during Christmas. But when the first thing was first advent during those days, it was not a happy scene. And, uh, and therefore it's, it's, you'll understand, you look at that and I've seen that, no, in my own life. Uh, when I was a child, there was a wonder of Christmas. But when I grew up, boy, it became so monotonous and I knew exactly what was going on. I, mean, I used to do all kinds of crazy stuff just to stay excited. Right? But having said that, you know, let's come back to the roots. Let's just remind ourselves as to why God came. And he was not easily accepted. He was not accepted at all. In fact, very few people were even 
told as to what who was going where, where he was going to be born so many people knew the scriptures they knew also exactly where he was going to be born but they didn't believe that something like this would happen that the messiah would come during their days it was such a silent coming i mean the first coming was like that it was so inconspicuous the humility of god it was as if god was you know conspiring that he didn't want people to know that he was coming and second coming was going to be i don't know if it's going to be any different but there's going to be a second advent and it's not going to be like the first and there's so many people who missed out on the first coming of jesus and let us not be among those who will miss out on the second so having said that just keep your minds and your hearts open to what i want to share this morning what god laid in my heart um let's read from john's gospel chapter 1 john's gospel chapter 1 verses 1 onwards few verses in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god i mean the no two ways about the introduction of john he's he cuts across all the chase and he comes directly to the point he's not going to give you the genealogy of jesus through matthew or through i'm sorry through joseph or through mary he's going to say you know what that genealogy is just for resume purpose but i'll tell you who this man is this is god and then it says in verse 14 and the word became flesh and dwelt this word dwelt it says uh, is is a word tabernacle so the word became flesh and tabernacled among us you need to, you, you need to understand when uh, after adam and eve sinned and they were thrown out of the garden of eden whenever god wanted to meet man he wanted to protect man from himself he was always guarded you know the old testament theophanies if you will this when people met god face to face uh moses couldn't even see him god said moses said lord i want to see your face and moses said if you see my face you will die okay i'll hide you in the cleft of the rock and i'll pass you by and i'll not even show you my face i'll show you my back okay the old covenant was it was scary to meet god okay and 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 when if you look at judges when the angel of the lord comes and speaks to manoah that is gideon's i mean sorry uh, uh uh samson's parents um you'll see that they are troubled and you know uh, uh, manoah goes and tells his uh, tells his wife we've seen the angel of the lord i think we'll die you see it was it was a scary thing to meet god 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 was very careful and the tabernacle the 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 ark of the covenant was guarded people just couldn't just touch it, it the, the, even the levites were not allowed to touch it you see they used they had hooks and they had to put rods through the hook and they had to carry it on their shoulder okay and one man called uza the ark stumbled and he put his hands and he was struck dead i mean it's amazing and one man of god says how could uza presume that the soil on which the ark was falling was less holier than him soil is only ceremonially unclean but your hands are morally unclean i was thinking rc sprawl says that you see 
So and and some people when the ark came back from the Philistine, they looked into it, were so curious as to what was in the ark. They all died. Seventy thousand people died. See, it's just amazing. The presence of the Lord was 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 not an easy task. And when the tabernacle came, and the glory of the Lord came, the fire came from heaven, and they all saw the glory of God. They fell flat on the faces and started worshiping and praising God. And after the first ordination service. You know, the first priesthood, Nadab and Abihu, they went into and offered a strange incense, strange incense near the altar. You know what happens? Fire came down from heaven and consumed them. It was scary to come near God. It was not an easy thing. You know, the law was scary. And then when Moses goes up to the top of the mountain to receive the, to receive the Ten Commandments, he says, you know what? I'm trembling, Lord. So it was a guarded way that God came and spoke to his people. It was not easy for them to to know God personally, right? But when Jesus came, it's completely different. You see, how many of us get scared of a baby? None. Right? Can you imagine that? God allows himself to be carried. That's remarkable. But that does not mean that he has in any way compromised his holiness at any given point of time. No. It was for our sake he wailed himself. That is the reason why I like those songwriters who say, wailed in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. See, it was not easy. And when Jesus came, he wailed himself. He covered himself. He became vulnerable. I mean, somebody had to take care of him. Think about it. And that's exactly the reason why the song that uh, 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 Abel and Priyanka sang, why does he lie in such mean a state where ox and donkeys are feeding? Have you ever gone to a stable? Now we see manger scenes here in, in the city. When you go to a stable in the village, it will stink. Paderu. They're pooping all around the place. And this guy has to clean it up. And he has to make pedagalu. And make them manure. All those, it's a stinking place. And that's exactly the songwriter says, why does he lie in such mean a state where ox and donkeys are feeding? But then he says, good Christians fear. For sinners here, the silent word is pleading. Nails pierce shall pierce him through the cross he bore for me, for you. Hail, hail the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. So don't ever, ever take, just because God wailed himself in flesh, you never want to take him for granted, right? And that's what happens. The moment, you know, things become easier, we kind of tend to relax a bit. What happened, therefore? All things were made through him and without him. This is verse 3. Uh, and without him was nothing made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. And then, verse 9. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world, the irony. Okay, think about it, no? Um, guy is playing with a computer and the guy who invents the computer walks by. 
and you try to explain, you know, this is this this. Oh really? Ah, I know. And he doesn't even show what is what who who he is, etc. We try to take him for granted. This is exactly what happened. The creator of the universe becomes a part of the creation. The very creation that he made does not recognize the creator. Okay. The world was made by him, but the world did not know him. Okay, fine, the world did not know him. What about his people? He came to his own. And his, what? Own people did not receive him. And let me tell you something. Every Christmas, God comes to his own people and his own people do not receive him. But let me tell you, let me show you something here. There's a distinction. He was in the world. Okay? The world was made through him, but the world did not. Isn't it interesting? He doesn't say people of the world. But when it comes to his own, he says, he came to his own, but his own people did not know him. Let me tell you something very interesting here, very important. In God's sight, there are only two things. Either you are his people or you are world. What is that? You are his people or you are binary. No, nothing in between. You are his people or you are world. Let me show this to you. Look at this. Look at what First Peter chapter 2 will say. This is First Peter chapter 2 verses 9 to 10. Look at what he says. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his light. And look at this. Once you were not a people, but you are God's people. Once you did not, why were you not not a people? Because you did not receive mercy, but now you received mercy. That is the reason. You see, there are only two categories in, in according to God's side, in God's side, the world and his people. The world and Christian. Not uh, Hindu, Muslim, Buddhist, Jain, Judaist, Atheist, Christian. No, 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 no. World, his people. In other words, the only people who will matter in eternity is what? His who? His people. That's it. There are only two categories in the kingdom, in, 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 in the, in the sight of God. Either it is the world or it is his people and it is our choice where we want to be. Be a part of the world or you want to be a part of his people. But how did we become his people? Why? Because of his mercy. That is the reason why last Sunday's message, mercy, mercy, mercy. That is the reason why you need to understand Christians are merciful people. Be reminded this, this Christmas to be merciful. Yeah? But you are a chosen generation. See, Luke's Gospel chapter 13, Sam was talking about this. He says, there were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the sacrifices. And he answered them, do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No. Unless you repent, you will likewise perish. You should not say, how come those guys died? You should ask the question, how come you didn't die? 
You know, R.C. Sproul calls it the locus of astonishment. You know, locus? <laughs> locus of astonishment. Hurry, how come these fellows died? He says, please don't, let's don't look at the others. Just look at yourself. Why did you not die? That is a question you need to ask. Why? Simply because of his mercy. In Deuteronomy chapter 9, this is what God tells his people who are supposed to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This is what he says. It is not because of your righteousness or, or, or the uprightness of your heart that you are going to possess this land. Okay? Which he swore to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Okay? Therefore, understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. For you are a stiff-necked people, not because you are very good and so nice. God must have seen something good in me. That is the reason why he has chosen me. No way. God could have easily chosen anybody else. I mean, yesterday I was listening to Zach Poon and he said, if, if, if God went and told Abraham, Abraham, leave your Ur of Chaldeans. And if Abraham would have said, no Lord, I can't come, please. I'm very comfortable here. I don't want to leave this father's house, etc., etc. This business is not, this business is too much. All that in the future, I don't know what's going to happen. Please, 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 please. Don't call me. God would have said, okay. Next person. And Abraham would have never been recorded in history. It was not because Abraham was good that God called him. No. He was an idol worshiper. So what happened during the first advent? The two sets of people who did not recognize him. Who are they? The world and his own people. And the gospel according to Luke actually captures this rejection of the Messiah in a very poignant way. Look at what it says. Luke's gospel chapter 2 verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. That is how it captures. You know what? Think about it, no? You know what swaddling cloths means? The word swaddling comes from the word stripes, strips of, of, of clothes. Meaning, uh, for example, if you have you seen poor people, if they have to tie up a wound, what do they do? Okay? They tear the cloth. That's exactly what he's doing. Several tears. And winding up the baby because they don't even have money to buy clothes. You see? That is how God identified himself with the poorest of the poor. People who couldn't even clothe his nakedness. Have you seen the movie Gandhi? How many of you have seen the movie Gandhi, 1983? You know, there's a... For all those people who have not seen the movie, shame on you and proud of the rest of you, okay? Please watch that movie uh, instead of watching Trash in GSS. It somehow will tell you something very, very, something very, very powerful about our country. There's a a fantastic, poignant scene in that movie where Gandhi is traveling the length and breadth of the country, okay? Uh, Before he joins the Satyagraha. And even as he goes... And he goes to this river... Okay, a beautiful poignant scene and he goes to his river and he's just got a cloth on his, uh, he's got a tunduk, tundutruval, so he has this uh, cloth on his shoulder and he's going to wash himself into the river. He goes and uh, goes by the river and stands like this and he's washing, he's about to wash himself and he just looks di- downstream and he looks at that one lady over there, very poor lady, her clothes are completely torn 
And she looks at Gandhi. She looks at this man who is, you know, seems to be educated. And she covers herself like that. And Gandhi is moved with compassion and his heart goes out for that woman. You know what he does? He takes away his cloth. He doesn't even want to embarrass her. Go up to her and give her the cloth. You know what he does? He puts the cloth onto the stream like that. And the stream goes down like that. The cloth, the stream takes the cloth to her and she grabs the cloth and he covers and she covers herself like that. Have you seen that scene? And when I looked at that, I was like, I was moved with tears when the first time I saw that. You know, those are the kinds of people who build a nation. People who identified with the poorest of the poor. They were actually modeling the life of Christ. When Jesus came, he didn't have any clothes to cover his nakedness. And when he died, he died naked. He identified with the poorest of the poor. Nobody said, Jesus, please, can you take my cloth? No, no, no. They didn't take, they didn't say that. That's amazing. You know, I was thinking about this last night. I was saying, boy, what a God. Do we have that, that kind of an attitude? Amazing. So, and she gave birth. So the two kinds of people who did not receive him, the world and his own people. I titled my today's, today's message, Do We Have Room for Jesus? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king, let every heart, what is that? Prepare him room. Heaven and nature saying. Do we have room for Jesus? First, who rejected Jesus? People of the world, they rejected him. It's a word which became flesh. And we beheld the glory, the glory of the only begotten son full of grace and truth. And they rejected the word made flesh. So, why does the world not know? The word world comes from the Greek word cosmos. Order out of chaos. That's what it means. Cosmos means order out of Chaos. That's exactly how the Lord created the world. The world was without form and wide chaos. And the darkness was brooding over the waters and the Lord said what? Let there be light. And there was light. And the Lord Lord saw the light and he said it is good. And the Lord separated from the light, the light from the... Think about it now for a minute, okay? As I was just just, just telling this to my children in GTLC. The Lord separated, so this is light and this is darkness. He did light, darkness. Can you do that? I mean, what? 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 Oh, that's light. Uh, That's day. This is night. Evening and morning, day one. Order out of chaos. He made the world, okay, through the word of his mouth and he comes into the world and the world does not receive him. Why does the world not receive him? After Adam fell, something happened to the world. This is what John says in his epistle to John. In 1 John chapter 5 verse 19. Look at what he says. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one. Okay. 
ఇన్ తెలుగు నో ఇఫ్ ఎ గై ఫాల్స్ ఇన్ లవ్ వాడు మాయలో పడ్డాడు ఇష్టాలిజన్ i mean i i told when i told my boss i'm going to uh, go for full time ministry my external examiner was surprised and he looked at me vijay vijay maine suna ki i mean he's from delhi right professor from uh, i delhi will have all kinds of uh, i heard that you're doing what about your money <laughs> suddenly everybody will have what are you going to do they have no concept they will do what they have been trained to do they have been completely under the rapt that completely blinded by the by the wicked one the the, the spirit of this age ungli pe nachara literally blinded by the evil one you see uh, i remember when abigail and it was it was 2 years old or 3 years old if, we used to get out of our stairs from our, from our um, apartment and uh, the landlord says where are you going church wednesday you go to church yes tuesday you go to church yes sunday you go to church yes saturday you go to church yes are what is this church 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 you know why they are under this they have no concept about god they have to appease their gods they'll go once in a while at the end of their lives like divar in abitamachan goes to shiva and speaks to him abhi tak maine tujhse kuch nahi manga meri papo ka saza mera maa ko mat de bichari ne kya kiya i mean this is this, this is their concept about god you see the whole world is under the sway and the fact of the matter is so many people in the christian in 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 the church they are also under the sway of the evil one you see that's what jesus says all these things don't think about what you eat what you drink what you what you wear for all these things who seeks after the gentiles and if you seek after them you know what you are under the sway of the evil one ungli penachara he knows exactly what to do in order to get you in order has to do he has to take your job finished finished gone we'll come to that later on first corinthians chapter 1 verse 21 for since in the wisdom of god the world through wisdom did not know god because the wisdom of the world is completely contrary to the wisdom of god in fact it says the foolishness of god is greater than man's wisdom think about that god if if you think this is the most foolish thing that god can do that is wiser than man's wisdom it is the weakest thing that god can do that is stronger than man's strength that is how god is completely antithetical diametrically opposite to the spirit of the age do you realize that my dear brothers and sisters or are you under the sway of the evil one how do i know what are your priorities is god a priority at all in your life it it shows in how you spend your money how you spend your time how you spend your uh weekends recently after several months i went back to gachiboli for a dinner 
somebody invited us and and just then i looked at each other because we are a part of gachibolit crowd no those days i said boy i don't want this life weekend hotel food come back next day home, next day office again weekend washing clothes come into church if you if you want to and the cycle repeats it's a rut people don't even realize that they are in a rat's race they don't realize that they don't realize and by the time they realize you know what has happened time has passed by they what happened to me i wasted my life senseless pursuits why i'll tell you why second corinthians chapter 4 verses 3 and 4 even if our gospel is veiled you see that you see even if our gospel is veiled it is veiled to those who are perishing why in their case the god of this world has blinded their minds to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of christ let me tell you something it is a fight for glory either the glory of god or the glory of this world it's a fight for that oh let me tell you something saints we are made for glory do you know that and you know what kind of glory can satisfy us only the glory that comes from god nothing else jesus also also was also tempted into to get into this rut okay look at what happens during this this is a very interesting temptation the specific words that are used over there in matthew chapter 4 verse 8 again the devil took him to a very high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory ah glory 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 they go the way you see that you see that you don't have to go through the way of the cross look at that i'm going to crown you king just worship me please get into the rut all these i will give you that's exactly what people want they want everything in the world they also want heaven heaven is just an in- accepting jesus is an insurance policy for most christians sad to say sad to say and if you have come to jesus for insurance policy let me tell you you will be disappointed and you will never be able to continue in your walk with the lord no way because your glory the way you are the place where you are looking for glory is is in the wrong place you see that all these i will give to you and if you will fall and worship me then jesus said to me be gone satan for it is written you shall worship the lord your god and him only you shall serve jesus had this priorities absolutely straight first comes what worship then comes what service you see we are all a set of people who exchange the temporal for the eternal romans chapter 1 verses 22 and 23 look at what it says claiming to be wise what did they become fools and if you choose god they will call you a fool enti verithanam enti nanna this is exactly what people will use he verithanam enti is fool hardiness choosing the way of god what are you talking about no remember divar sin mere paas kya bank balance hai car hai everything hai tumhare paas kya hai 
ऋषि कपूर शशि कपूर से मेरे पास माँ है अरे सब फैंटास्टिक सीन हिंदी बार इसी माय डैड यूज्ड टू टेल मी दैट स्टोरी ओवर एंड ओवर अगेन बिकॉज़ ही वाच्ड द मूवी एवरी वीकेंड ऑन आई थिंक ऑलमोस्ट एवरी डे एंड सो दैट स्टेड इन माय माइंड so what 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 did these guys do claiming to be wise they became fools and what did they do they exchanged the glory of the immortal god to what for images for images for the temporal they exchange see sin is exchange of glory all have sinned and fallen short of what of the glory of god how did they come to this point because they exchanged the truth about god for a lie there is a truth about god as i was listening to uh, ravi sakaraes truth is so precious he was quoting i think servinston churchill he said truth is so precious that often it is surrounded by a bodyguard of lies it's so true because they exchanged the truth of god for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who blessed who was blessed forever amen so what happens for this cause god gave them over to their pursuits what god gave them up that is how the wrath of god was revealed you wanted this take it and go go i was reading tim keller's book uh, on judges for you or i think i think so commentary on romans this is what he says he quotes oscar wilde look at what oscar wilde has to say when the gods wish to punish us they answer our prayers okay let me tell you something think about this guy and he gives an example think about this guy who wants to make a career and is waiting for that that breakthrough where he is going to get the highest pay, pay scale whatever and once he makes it you know he's done it and you know what tim keller says think about this guy who works hard and hard and hard and hard and hard and hard and hard what's the worst thing that can happen to him success or failure you know during the time of working hard he compromises his family he compromises his his his, his relationship with god he compromises his relationship with every area he is compromised and he wants it at any cost what is the worst thing that can happen to him is not failure it's success because success only confirms him in his path he got what he want and he will continue along that path and you know what he'll do he'll forget his family even more you see this is what he is paraphrasing tim tim keller when we seek something or someone more than god the worst thing that can happen to us is for god to give us what we want Oh that's exactly the reason why in Psalm 106 verses 14 and 15 this is what it says but they the Israelites lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert and he gave them their request but sent leanness into their soul you see God gave them their request you want you want to get married to this this guy go and get married you know you'll be miserable all your life you want this job take it will be miserable all your life you see yesterday i was listening to zakpon and he was talking about this man who had a call of god in his life and uh, he was about 25 years old when he got called him to be a missionary and he said lord lord no lord no 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 lord i can't go i can't go i can't go and i want i have i like this job this is what i want to do i want to serve you here 
God said, okay. He's not going to force people, I'm telling you, honestly. I mean, that's what exactly Pastor James told me the other the once when he said, Vijay, don't think, Vijay, you're indispensable. Okay? If you don't, somebody else. Okay? No, no, two ways about it. And he, hey, this guy, he said, no, 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 I, I want to be here. And he, you know, this, he got, he got into his career, he had his, had his life, he had a son after the, after a while, 15 years back after, his, after a while his son died. In an accident. And then he said, Lord, I told you. I told you. You know, so many people, this is exactly what they have done. They have killed their children at the altar of their career. They've killed. You see, they don't look value the next generation. They don't think that they should be protected. And when people make decisions about leaving their jobs, etc., for the they look at this. This is foolish. I remember uh, Justin was working for this company when she was, and this lady came from uh, from America, and she was talking to all these Indian girls as to how she was pregnant, and she had a. a a decision to make whether to abort the baby or take up this promotion and the husband supported her very nicely oh baby you take the promotion we can have the baby later also and that that lady is coming and telling all the Indian ladies to do the same where we have we'll kill a girl baby at the drop of a hat think about it think about it think about it saints this is exactly what is happening in this world where people have sacrificed their children at the altar of their careers. And for some ministers, they have sacrificed the lives of the children at the altar of their ministry. Sad. Why? Why did this happen? Why? Why did this happen? You know, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, but we did not receive. What happens to the people in the world? How do they receive the word? How do they receive the word? Let me show you. Gospel of Matthew will talk about this. Matthew chapter 13 verses 22 and Mark 4, 19. Now, he who received the seed among the thorns, okay, is he who hears the word and the cares of his world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word. You know what choking means? That's what it means. To get it out. You choke something, what do you do? You press it, press it, press it, press it. Get it out. Okay, so what happens? The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word and he becomes. And other places, in Mark 4.19 it says, the desire for other things enter. You know what happens? This, this fellow is totally preoccupied. And, and, okay, uh, should I take up this assignment? Yeah, I'll take up that assignment. This project, this project. This uh, this assignment, this assignment. This paper, this paper. This pro- What happens? No time for the word. Working during weekends. Working 24 by 7. There's a company called 24 by 7, by the way. Scattered. Where is place for word? Choked out completely. You see? Look at what it says in Luke. Very interesting. But as they go on, what? Their way. They go on, whose way? Their way. What happens if you go on your way? It is bound to happen. The word is going to be choked 
out of your life. There is no place for God in your life. Jesus will come. The word will become flesh. He will dwell among you, but you will not know him. You will not have a relationship with him. You know, Haggai puts it beautifully. Look at what he says. Ha, exactly. Consider your ways, he says. Haggai chapter 1 verse 5 onwards. Now therefore, thus says the Lord, consider your ways. You have sown much. You bring in little. EMI ho gaya, car payment ho gaya, dusra car payment ho gaya, dusra apartment ka payment ho gaya, haat mein kitna? Tambura. That's exactly how people live. You know, in, in, in US it's called mortgage. You know what mortgage means? Mortis gauge. You are gauged for life. That's what it means. Until death. Don't you realize? When you take a loan from a company or from a bank, if you want to pay it off, no, 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 no. Let us reduce the interest rate. Take some more time. Take. But if you want to pay it off fast, you have to pay penalty. Are you see how the entire world, if I was telling pastor the other day, I said, pastor, everybody has their hands in our pockets. Everybody has their hand in our pocket. Okay, okay, you can save, 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 save. One day what will happen? A huge problem with your health. Ush kaki. If within a few days your entire resources have disappeared from your bank. And it happened to many people. Somebody or some fellow in your family will take a loan and they would have come and said, surety, surety, surety. Are manchodagada. God would have allowed that to happen. Surety this kono. Surety better no manchu better. Surety over. That fellow died. Who killed him? God. He will come to you. Paisa de de, paisa de, finish, gone. Gone. Your money is gone. God will allow that. You know why he allows that? You clothe yourself, but nobody is warm. You earn wages and earn wages to put it into a bag of holes. Do you see holes? Everybody has, everybody has their hands in your pocket. You know, I'll tell you why. You know, he gives a reason as to why that is, that is so. Thus says the Lord of hosts. What is, what should you do? Consider your ways. You're going your own way. Consider that way that you're, that you're taken. I'll tell you. Go up to the mountains. Bring the wood. Build the temple. That I may take pleasure in it and what? Ah. Glorified. I want to take pleasure in it. And you know what happens to so many people? They have no, they have no priorities at all. House of God comes last. Which church are you going? That church is close to my house. Five minute walk. Where is your office? Twenty, uh, two hour drive. See the priorities already? No problem taking a two hour drive to work, but five minutes church. Children have to go to Oak Ridge or DPS or what have you. No problem. But church? It has to be just next door. God says, that's not your priority, right? You See, uh, Paul tells Timothy, he says, the temple of God or the house of God is a pillar and ground of what? Of truth. It is a pillar and ground for the word of God. That is where you are being fed the word. And you know what you do? You starve the temple which is feeding you. 
You know, in other in English they say biting the hands that feed you. That's exactly what people do. They bite the hands that feed. And what happens over a period of time? What is choked? Eternity is on you. Just like Samson. The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he thinks that the Lord was with him just like that day, the day he was there with them, with him a few previous, previous times. And he thinks he can have all the strength, but he doesn't realize that the Spirit of the Lord has departed from him. And that's exactly what happens. So many people are temples without the Spirit of God. No strength. Why? Why this? You know, there's another place where the word cosmos is used. In the Bible. Where is it? You know where where it is used? Okay, I'll tell you. I'll show you. It's a very interesting place. I think it's the word cosmos is used about 94 or 95 times in the Bible. Oh, a strange place. You didn't get it. It's used about 95 times, more than 90 times in the Bible. Only once it is used in another context, every other place is rendered as world. Okay, let me show that to you. Let me show that to you. Okay? Wait for, ready for the suspense? Okay, suspense. Otherwise you'll fall asleep, no? Cliffhangers have to be there, everywhere. (laughs) Here it's used. First Peter, chapter 3, verse 3. Do not let your you know what adorning is? Cosmos. From which you would get the word cosmetic. Cosmetic comes from the word cosmos. That's exactly the reason why it's order out of chaos. That is the reason why we call it cosmetic surgery. It's a very, it's a euphemism for plastic surgery. Plastic surgery and anti. cosmos Okay, one has lost its order, the other gets its order. It is not order gained, it is order lost. So what has happened? Do not let your cosmos <laughs> be external. The braiding of the hair and the putting on the gold jewelry and the wearing of the expensive clothing. But let your cosmos or your cosmetics be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit which in the sight of God is most precious. Now, this is not only just for ladies, okay? Now, to nowadays, cosmos is for everybody. I mean, you go to health and glow, okay, health and glow. I never entered that place until I got married. Health and glow, you will find a men's section also. And unfortunately, the men's section is even more expensive than the women's section. You know, how much we are preoccupied with the external and the self and the selfie and we want to take selfie in the most innocuous places and the most dangerous places and die. You know that fellow from China? Recently on the, in the newspaper, he died from a 65-story building taking a selfie. Because somebody told him that I'll give you 600,000 yuan, $20,000. For $20,000, he went and put took a selfie like this. And he died. It came in the newspaper. Preoccupied with the external, but the internal array. 
You know what, what characterizes the internal elderly? What characterizes the internal? He says, for this is how the holy woman, okay, who hoped in God, the word holy woman means separated people. Women can also stand for the church here. Separated people who hoped in God adorned themselves, cosmetized themselves, in other words. Because they knew there was chaos inside. There's no point in giving external order if your internal order is gone. You know, C.S. Lewis writes a fantastic, uh, and gives a fantastic analogy. Let's imagine uh, you have a fleet of ships in a formation going towards a destination. In order for the fleet of ships to go from point A to point B in that particular order, every ship has to be at peace with one another. Yes? And also every ship has to be at peace with each with itself. Yes? Because if, the, if one of the ships says, it doesn't matter as long as I'm not hurting the other ship. And I go and I break down what happens to the order. See, a lot of people, as long as I don't hurt somebody, I'm good. I'm not doing anything right. I'm, I'm not I'm not murdering, I'm not committing rape, I'm not committing adultery. I give my tithes, etc. But is there order in your own life? Ask. Ask. Is there is there cosmetized is, is there a cosmetized internal order? How can you have that's what that's what C.S. Lewis says? What of what foolishness for, to expect that the fleet of ship will have the same formation when it comes to the end when one of the ships or two other ships have lost their order with themselves? It's elementary. <laughs> elementary. You see? You can never have, therefore, peace with others unless you have peace with who? With God. That is the reason why people who hoped in God, what do they do? They adorn themselves by how? By a spirit of submission and a spirit of what? Obedience. Let me tell you something. Do we obey implicitly in this generation? Do we obey? Disobedient. My children are disobedient. Tell me something good. Something new. Tell me something new. If they obey, oh, that is news. And that's what many people are surprised. Are your children are so obedient? Are you, are you, how come? And, and, and actually, are you, how come your children are so disobedient? How come? How, how is your? How is that your? How are you okay with it? That's my point. How are you okay? How how is that? How is it possible that if we are okay with disobedience in our own children? Sometimes. You know, there was an indictment sometime back. Sister also was saying, children from our orphanages are much better than children from whole homes. That's what she said. I was like, I said, God, what's wrong with us? We are supposed to be the people with order. And they are supposed to be people who came with broken home, from, came from broken homes. And how come they have order and we don't? How come? Hmm. You know why? Because we don't have a spirit of submission and we don't have a spirit of obedience. How are you doing with submission and obedience this last month, in 11 months? How did you obey? How much did you obey? How much did you know that you disobeyed a clear commandment of God and you were okay with it? Ask yourself this question. 
Ask yourself this question, my dear brothers and sisters. God clearly said something to you. And you categorically disobeyed. Do you think God's word will have place in your life? See, there's an obedience which comes from faith. Faith, a man is justified by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. That's what Martin Luther says. It's accompanied by obedience, acts of obedience. Okay. John 7. So his brother said to him, leave. Here and go to Judea that your disciples may see the good, the works that you're doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said, my time is not yet. I have a spirit of obedience. My father will tell at particular time I will go. Even if I think that I should go now, it's the right time. I will still not go. I will completely surrender and submit to the will of my father. And obey him implicitly, not without asking any questions. How much we argue, right? We are debaters. Let's have a debate. We are all debaters. And because we are, we are, we have grown up in a, in a democracy. You know, how many of you actually understand what kingdom is? King, anybody understand? Nobody understands what king is. Whenever we think king and queen, we think Princess Diana. And that, what, what is that fellow's name? Dodo. Dodo Al-Fayed, no? That guy who died in the crash. That's all we think. Prince. That means having, traveling in exotic cars and having multiple affairs. That's what we think. See? King is not that. Implicit obedience. Pastor James tells about, I was there at Bhutan border last, this year in January. This is Indian side. That is Bhutan side. And there is one border. Okay? And you just walk into Bhutan, but everything silence. No honk. No screaming. No jaywalking. Not even jaywalking. Police fellow will say, pedestrian, wait. Vehicle, go. Vehicle, goes. Vehicle, wait. Pedestrian, go. Pedestrian, goes. Nobody honks at anybody. I traveled for about few kilometers up the mountain and I said, boy, I'm in possible in Canada or someplace? What is this? You know, our pastor said, that is the difference between kingdom and democracy, Vijay. No. That's what happened to judges. In judges, in those days, there was no king in Israel and everybody did what was right in there. Ah, uh, uh, that's a point. Everybody does what is right in their own eyes, not in the sight of God's. It's not in the eyes of God. In the eyes of God, doesn't matter what it is. In the eyes of, in my eyes, it has to be right. Don't ask me any more questions, please. It's finished. Case closed. You see, there's no implicit obedience. And that is the reason why we are a generation which is so chaotic. There is no order in our lives. Don't you see? We struggle with discipline. We struggle to come on time to time to church. We struggle to uh, have order in our finances. We struggle to order our time. You see? Why? 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 I'll tell you why. Because we are kings. And we will do whatever is right in our own eyes. You see? We will only discipline as long as it's going to affect my bank balance. 
or my career. That is forced discipline. That is not discipline. Hmm. And what you know what you, how Jesus sends? The world cannot hate you. <laughs> but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. Can the world hate you? And that's exactly what happened. He came into the world and the world did not know him. You know why? Because the world wanted to do whatever it wants and Jesus doesn't want to force himself on those people at all. Okay. Why? Finally. Why the spirit of disobedience? I'll tell you why. Ephesians chapter 2 will say. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. The entire airwaves, 4G, whatever G. Okay? Any G is the prince of the power of that air is who? Satan. You know how things have changed in our own generation? In within two years, within 20 years, within two decades, Hyderabad completely, and I, I, I'm sure people who, who migrated to, let's say, US and Canada 20 years back, when they come back to Hyderabad, they'll not even recognize what's going on over here. Absolutely not. Everything is, media is cheap, everything is cheap. Everywhere Wi-Fi is cheap. Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi. Even the, Dobi has a smartphone, and he will ask you for your Wi-Fi password. No, it happened to me. Sir, sir, me into that was no? Wi-Fi password gawal. You see? Prince of the power of the air. Why? The spirit that is now working in the sense of disobedience. You see that? How many of us implicitly obey? We ask questions, 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 questions. We want answers for everything. We will see and then we will believe. You know what Jesus said? Believe and then you will see. Second category of people. Okay, fine. World ko chodo. Aisa hi hai. Dunya. Dunya to aisa hi hai. Okay. Kuch to log kahenge, right? Logon ka kaam hai kehna. Chhoda bekaar ki sansar ki baaton ko. Something, something, something. Oh, you know that same. Very famous Hindi song. But what about your own people? This is what happens. Jesus comes. He came to his own. And his own did not receive him. That's the problem. Why? What stops us as God's people to receive Jesus, every day of our lives. Let's try to understand this. I'm coming to some real, real, possibly it'll hurt some of you. Don't get offended, okay? Like Pastor Sells are saying, pray that you will not get offended. First thing. First thing, I believe, is because of familiarity. Familiarity breeds contempt. It's a famous Non-biblical saying, I mean actually it's actually borrowed from Proverbs, Proverbs go through, you know, everything God said already. Okay, we only plagiarize God. Okay, we plagiarize God and put our name. 
and we call ourselves intelligent. That's okay. This is what happens. This is this is familiarity. I'm telling you, one of the things that Christians have to really fight in their lives is familiarity with authority and with word. John's Gospel, chapter 6. So the Jews grumbled about him. Because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. <laughs> Flesh here, bones here, breathing. This is God. Come down from heaven. Sorry. And they say, is not this Jesus the son of Joseph whose father and mother we know? How does he say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. You see? Don't grumble. You know, this is exactly what we do. Grumble. How do we grumble? A pretty third pastor. A The same old, same old, same old from right from 2009 is after my life. You see, that's exactly how people come with an attitude, right? They become familiar with God's word. I don't want to delve too much into this, but the second thing which I want to delve a little more, which I think is relevant to every one of us. This is found in John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 30 onwards. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Okay? They all believed. And then this is what Jesus said. So Jesus said to the Jews, who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Then they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say that you will become free? I'll come to that in a while. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Slave does not remain in the house. Son remains in the house forever. If the son sets you free, you are free indeed. I know you are Abraham's offspring, but you seek to kill me because my word does not find any place in you. Let's go back here. We are offspring of Abraham and never been enslaved to anyone. Is it true? Abraham came out of one of the Chaldeans. He had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob and Esau. Jacob had 12 sons. 12 sons went to Egypt. 12 became 70. 70 for 400 years they stayed in Egypt and they became what? What did they become? Slaves. Oh, oh. We have never been slave to anybody. Hello. Okay, forget that. Then God sent Moses. They came out of Egypt. 40 years in the wilderness. Then they went into the promised land. After Joshua died, slowly they dwindled. There was a cycle. Peace, idolatry, savior. Peace. Idolatry, savior, peace, idolatry, savior, peace, idolatry, savior, peace, idolatry, savior. One day, God hands them over to complete slavery. Saul comes. David comes. Solomon comes. Kingdom gets divided. Israel goes from bad to worse. Goes into exile or what? what is it called? Captivity. Judah goes worse. They also go into Babylonian captivity. You are never slaves? Hello? You are never slaves? 
Which Bible are you reading? Came back from Israel or from, from Babylon. Rebuilt the temple. Malachi came. Last prophet. Rome came. Who's ruling you? Who's ruling you? Rome is ruling you. Hello. You're not slaves. You're not slaves. You know what that means? They have all forgotten from where they came. That is the problem with so many believers. They have forgotten from where they came. Hmm. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you do not did not build houses full of good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant and when you eat and are full what should you do? Take care lest you forget and have you have you forgotten? Yes, you have forgotten. We ask you have you not slaves? We have never been slaves not so many believers they forget they forget from where God picked them up so many. I've seen, I've seen in my own life. I forget. That's the reason why we have to sing that prayer. Pray, pray that prayer. Lord, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And then he says, when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies? Then you shall say, we were Pharaoh's slaves. Repeat your history that you will never forget that you are what? Slaves. You see? How many of us are slaves to sin? And look at our lives today and how we were when we came to the Lord. What if we say, you know what? I have arrived, Baba. I'm good. I don't have to see God anymore. Complacency. Zak Poonin made a very powerful statement. He says, you know what? The toughest thing for for God to do is to use a man mightily and make him and keep him humble. To use a man mightily and to keep him humble is the toughest thing for God to do. Because he often forgets where he has come from. And you know what happens? He thinks that he is the boss. Look at First Samuel chapter 15 verse 7. 17. The Samuel said, though you are little, this is telling, to, telling Saul, you are little in your own eyes. That's exactly what happened to Saul, Saul right? Where is Saul? He's hiding. He's hiding, hiding, hiding. What is this tall fellow? He's hiding. I don't want to come. I don't want to come. Come and share a word. No, 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 no. no. I don't want to say anything. No, I'm so, so. And then suddenly he comes to the front and God uses him mightily. One year, two years. Pa, 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 pa. Saul. Saul. Saul the great. Blowing the trumpet. Forgets where he has come from. And you know what he does? The Lord anointed you, the king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against, fight against them until they, they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? But what does he say? Why did you not pounce and spoil, uh, pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of God? Saul said, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have bought Agag. The best of the things I'm devoting it to the Lord for sacrifice. How come you're saying that I didn't obey? You know what he says? Is obedience better than sacrifice? Sorry. Where is that? Yeah. But the people, why did he pounce? I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have 
But the people took the spoil, sheep and oxen. And he's, Samuel, you know that story. Samuel says, is obedience better than sacrifice? Isaiah chapter 66 verses 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place for my rest? All these things my hand has made and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I look. He who is humble, contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Have we stopped trembling at God's word? I want to look at one example in the, in the New Test, in the Old Testament about this guy who has come quite far with the Lord. You know the story of Job, right? No one blameless and upright like him. If, or I don't know if my, if my children have sinned, let me offer sacrifices to God. And God is blessing him and blessing him and blessing him and he thinks that God has blessed him because he's right. One day, God takes away everything. Three friends come. Make life miserable to him. Actually four. There's a lot of back and forth debate. And after the debate is over, one guy steps up. In all the debate, Job says, you know what? I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. Tell me one time when I disobeyed God. Tell me one time when I, when I disobeyed God. Tell me one. Show me once. Show me once. Show me once. And they're not able to do it. And then one guy comes into the scene. His name is Elihu. And this is a young guy. Look at what he says. So these three men ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. Then Elihu, the son of Barakiel the Buzite, the family of Ram, burned with anger. He burned with anger at Job because he justified himself rather than God. He burned with anger also at Job's three friends because they had found no answer although they had declared Job to be in the wrong. Now, Elihu had waited to speak to Job because they were older than he. And when Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, he burned with anger and began to speak. I'll tell you something. No? I was speaking to Pastor James the other day. I went to a wedding, uh, my sister-in-law's wedding. Okay, there was a, it was in a mainline church. Senior men of God who, who handles the church. And... Uh, after the service, I mean, after the exchange of vows is over, they called one of the younger pastors to come and share the word. So the younger pastor comes and he's there at the pulpit and he's going to speak the word. Okay? And he looks at all these people and he says, um, I thank for all these senior men of God who have given me the opportunity. I know them. They've done so much work for the Lord, etc. And he begins to share. Now when he's beginning to share, I'm looking at all these senior men, okay? Oh. Why? Why? This guy is young. This is Johnny come lately. What should we listen to this fellow? Okay, ah, okay. Do it, do it. Ah, okay, okay, fine, fine. Uh, 15 minutes, okay? Okay. That's mainland churches, they will tell you. 15 minutes, what they will do is they will lower the pulpit. Almost. And I was looking at them and I said, I came back home and I told, uh, to the office and I said, Pastor, never in my life, when I become old and gray hair, you know, it's coming now, and if there's a younger person who comes from the pulpit, onto the pulpit, and when he begins to preach, I never want to have that attitude that I've arrived. To bowl. Kya bolna hai? 
This is how pe- I was shocked when I saw that. It was unbelievable for me. Instead of encouraging and motivating the younger guy. You know, I always miss pastor in the service. I'll tell you why. He is a very good critique of the word. But you know something, through the word I can see, I can sense the, the, the spirit of assurance come into my heart. Never once I felt that. Felt looked down upon. No condescending, I mean, no, no condescending attitude at all. But these people, sitting like that, tell me, oh, you have a theological background? No, then we are not allowing you to preach in our pulpit, please. Okay, don't call yourself a pastor. You're a layman. Jesus was the layest of all men. I'm right. It's really unbelievably lay. They were shocked. How come this man has got this kinds of words when he has not gone to Bible college? Let me tell you something. He might have not gone to Bible college, but he was absolutely well read. You know how well read he was? When he was given the pulpit and he was asked to read from the scroll of Isaiah, he was just reading. And they were shocked at the reading of the scriptures. I'll tell you something. A lot of people, you know, there's a scripture reading portion in all mainline churches. Once in a while, one guy will come and read. Nobody has to, no, nobody, you don't need anybody to come and expound what he has read. He reads it so well. With, he, it's as if he's personifying the very word and declaring it. You see, I've seen that. And I say, Lord, boy, what an attitude. Of men who think that they have arrived and they don't need anybody to say anything to them anymore. I remember when David Wilkerson was at the last stages of his life, I mean, before he died, not last stages of his he died of an accident, by the way. So when he was, uh, he retired from, 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 uh, from the pulpit in Times Square Church. And then he, he and, pa- and uh, Carter Connell used to, uh, you know, often meet up and, you know, discuss church. And you know what David Wilkerson said to Carter? He's like decades senior to this man. He told him, he said, Carter, you're my pastor. Speak into my life. What? What? What are you saying? Author of Cross and the Switchblade? Millions of people brought to the Lord. Thousands of churches planted. And he says, you know what? He looks up at the young man and he says, you know what? Speak into my life. I mean, I say, I sense that from my own pastor, you know. He says, Vijay, pray for me and send me. I'm like, oh my God. What are you talking about? Sorry. Yeah, so Elihu waited to speak, and this way was like And after a while, these people are doing all kinds of nonsense chat, and he was burning with the word, and he said, I can't stop anymore. I have to show Job his fault. I have to show him. Look at what he says. And Job has no answer to Elihu's indictment. You know what? There are so many people who are young, but do have such deep insight into other people's spiritual condition. And if you recognize that, you might as well go and submit to them. 
That's a principle that I have learned in my life. And it has saved me from so much of trouble in my own life. From pride, from ego, from sense of competition. I fight that with all my heart. Even when Sheikh was leaving for, for US, we dropped him off at the, uh, at the airport, from the railway station at the airport. And I said, Sheikh, thank you for speaking into my life. Really? I miss that man. You know, you need to understand, you need to have that teachable spirit. Doesn't matter who comes and shares from the pulpit. Doesn't matter if he's young or if he's old. You know, sometimes your children will tell you, Papa, that was not right. That was not right. Do we have the teachable spirit? It is not that men of God are perfect. No, but they are teachable. That's what makes them perfect. <laughs> the very attitude that they have of being teachable. But you know what happened to Job? He has become such a big man now. He's so wise in his own eyes. People are able to, are, they're, they're, they're trying to, trying to negotiate and a, a way to get to this man and they're not able to get. And Elihu stands up and he says, Job, let me tell you something about you. And I'm sure all these fellows will be shocked. But I know that you will not be shocked. Look at what he says. Job chapter 34. What man is like Job? Who drinks up scoffing like water? Ah. Who travels in company with evildoers and walks with wicked men? Oh, ho, 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 ho. What is scoffing? I'll tell you what scoffing is. Look at how righteous I am. Look at you. Look at you. Prostitute, tax collector, sinner. For he has said, look at what he says, it profits man nothing that he should delight in God. Oh. Oh, 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 Job. You have, you think that you have arrived, man. You stop denying, deriding on, therefore hear me, you, you of understanding. Far be it from God that he should do wickedness and from the Almighty that he should do wrong. And then he goes on to say, for according to the work of a man, he will repay him and according to his ways, he will make him fall. You see what happens when you are self-righteous? When you think that you, I've seen that in so many people, it just comes up. Now they've arrived. Nobody can speak into their lives. Are they God's people? Yes, they are God's people. But they are, are they open to his word? They will not receive the word. Because they are too big now to fall. That's exactly what happened to big, big, big ministries. When they started, they were absolutely humble. But now what, what happens? The ministry becomes bigger than God. Ezekiel chapter 18. But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness... And commits iniquity and does according to all the abominations the wicked man does. Shall he live? All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered. Because of the unfaithfulness which he has guilty and the sin which he has committed because of them he shall die. And etc. My way uh, and then uh, yet you say the way of the Lord is not what? Fair. Here now O Israel of O house of Israel is not my way fair and your way is not fair. Have you heard this? This is what? Not fair. I'll tell you. I'll end. With, I'll give you an example. R.C. Sproul was a professor in a university, and I understand what he goes through. There were two hundred people in his class. 
you know, first year students will give you tremendous amount of trouble. Okay? So 200 students in his class, he has given them all the demarcations of the grade and he said, first assignment, September 30th deadline. Second assignment, October 30th deadline. Third assignment, November 30th deadline. If you miss any of these deadlines, you will get an F. Okay? 200 students in the class. 170, September 30th deadline came, 175 people turned in their assignments. 25 people did not turn in. So they came and said, what did professor say? F for all of you, right? They came and said, professor, sorry professor, we just came from college to university. We don't understand the ways of university. In college we were spoon fed. In university we have to do everything by my own. Please give us some grace period. Please, please don't give us an F. Okay. Deadline extended. Two days. Okay, fine. Next deadline came. October 30th deadline. What happened? 200 students in the class. 125 turned in their assignment. 75 did not turn up. F for all of you. Professor, 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 sorry professor, we had this uh, cultural meeting in our university and we were so tied up and we had so much of work to do. All the other professors were saying, you know, uh, your assignment deadline, assignment deadline, assignment deadline. You are a good professor, no? Manchi professor, please give us some more deadline. Okay, two, two more days extended. Next deadline, November 30th. 75 people turn in the assignment. 125 people walk into the class and they are absolutely nonchalant. Manchi professor, he will not say anything. And then one guy comes into the class and he calls him. He wants to teach, the, teach them all a lesson. He comes, come here, come here. What's the deadline? November 30th. Right? Give me your assignment. No assignment. What's your name? What's your roll number? F. What is the response? It is not fair. What did you say? Not fair. Oh, that means you want justice and not mercy. Okay, we'll do one thing. Did you submit the last assignment on time? No. You wanted justice, right? F. You Did you submit the first assignment on time? No, no, no. You said I'm not fair, right? You want justice, right? F. Everybody in the class shut their mouth. Ask this question to ourselves. You know what? When we grow in the Lord and when God, when we find favor with God, we think that we can play the fool with God. We become too familiar. And when God says, you know what? Don't play the fool with me. I am not going to change my rule to anybody. In fact, to whom much is given, much will be required. You know what I'm going to do? You want justice or you want mercy? F. F. To all of us. You see, if we keep seeking, that's that's the reason why we should never forget from where we came, brothers and sisters. It shows in how we deal with others as well. It shows in even in our own lives, how we deal with our spouses and with our children. Do we have mercy? Or do we show justice? All the time. In our relationship in our school, is mercy there or justice? That's the reason why last Sunday's message was so powerful. A just man 
And he was God's chosen vessel because he showed what? Mercy and not justice. Okay. That is the reason why it says in 1 John chapter 1. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and what is not in us? His word is not in us. We being his people will not receive him because we have become too big now. Look at what James will say in James chapter 5. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Ultimately, Job said, Lord, mercy, mercy. I justify you, not myself. Two kinds of people, my dear brothers and sisters. People in the world who do not know him and we have dimensionalities of both. Either we have become so so big that we don't take correction anymore. And the higher we go with the Lord, the more humble we should become. Otherwise, we will be of the world and we will not know him when he has come the second time. And when the word comes, we will not receive him. Because we have a very condescending attitude toward others who bear the word. We will become critics. We will analyze because we know we have too much of knowledge. Instead of Asking God to give us the grace to meekly receive the engrafted word which is able to what? Save your souls. He came to his own. His own did not receive him. He made this world and the world did not know him. What? How about us today, this morning? How about us? Have we become, have we forgotten from where we have come? Have we forgotten? So many of us? Where God picked us up from? Do we think that we are really, really good that God picked us up? No. We are never indispensable in the sight of God. God could have chosen anybody else. What is the attitude that we have when we come to the house of God? Do we receive Him? Do we know Him? This morning, just examine your heart, you know, at the end of this year, no? I know it's, 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 it's a little tough. Uh, it's, the word is tough, but it's sometimes, you know, we become too familiar with God's word and we don't examine our heart. Yesterday, Sister Elsa was praying and she was saying, Lord, let us never lose the reverence for God in our church. Let us never become too familiar with God in our church. In fasting and prayer, if people fall asleep, do you think that we have reverence for God? We fall asleep in a, in a class, you have, do you think you have reverence for the professor? If you are in my class, I'm telling you, most of you will get NF for sure. You see? So many of us, we don't, we don't come prepared to the house of God. Because we don't come with expectancy to encounter God. The last person we think we're going, we going to meet in a church service is God. We'll meet probably pastor or sister Elsa or our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ. But God, no. Know why? Because we have become too familiar sometimes. And this morning we'll just ask God, Lord, you when you came the first time, Lord, people did not know you. They choked you out of their lives. And you came to your own but the own, instead of humbling themselves and receiving you, they rejected you. And Father, we do not want to be among those people who will reject you. Who will reject you? Grant us grace that we will be truly, truly a set of people who will forever. Yes, Lord, we will fail. Yes, Lord, there will be times and we will take you for granted. Father, forgive us. 
for our slackness lord for our carelessness for being for coming to the coming to the house of the lord unprepared i pray father that lord that you will lord convict us this season oh lord jesus that lord christmas will not become familiar that we will that we will that there will be a spirit of severity that will come upon us oh lord father when we truly understand the the message of christmas i pray lord jesus that we will not take you for granted father walk us through oh lord jesus through this rest of the foot rest of the 14 days of this year enable us can we all stand up in the presence of the lord this morning can we ask god this morning to give us that sense of awe and wonder for his word We have lost that sense of wonder for the word of God. Lost the sense of awe for the word of God. And it's when you read the scriptures, you don't seem that, you don't feel like that God is not even speaking to you. It's like, it's a close book to you. Chances are that our attitude has, has become that of Job. Where we think that we have arrived, instead of asking God to convict us, we analyze and debate with the word. Oh Father, grant us grace this morning to humble ourselves. Father, to have meekness when we come to your word. We'll not become too familiar with the vessel that contains the word. We'll not become too familiar with the ambience that we come week after week, Sunday after Sunday. There was this man of God who wrote this book called Long Obedience in a Single Direction. Christianity is long obedience, doing the same thing over and over and over again, over a long period of time. And the irony of it all is that man who wrote that book fell away at the end of his life. He lost the message. And it can happen to any one of us. And it's a slow process. It's compromise after compromise, compromise after compromise. And over a period of time, we realize that our heart is hardened and we don't even know it. Oh, Father, have mercy. Have mercy, Father. Grant us the gift of repentance, O Lord, once again. Grant us the gift of repentance in this church. Father, that we will mourn over our sin. Father, you said, you said through your servant James, moan and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will exalt you in time. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Oh Lord. Oh Lord, have mercy, oh Lord, have mercy. God is good, Lord. You are a good God that you have never dealt with us after our sins. You have not rewarded us according to our iniquities. But as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is your mercy. Oh Lord, enable us not to take it for granted. Father, we will ask ourselves this question. How come you were merciful to me today? And thank you, Jesus, that we are still alive. We are not consumed in your anger. That's what you said through your servant, prophet Jeremiah. It is because of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Oh Father, 
mercies of the Lord, which are new every morning. We enjoyed them. And then I pray, pray, Father, that we will not take it for granted, O Lord. That we will, Lord, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. The rest of the month, the rest of the couple of weeks that we have, O Lord, grant us a spirit of sincerity that will be serious about the things of God. That we will seek you with all of our heart. That we will not become careless about, about your word. Father, have mercy, Lord. Have mercy. This, Father, you sent your word. It has become flesh. And the world did not know you. But your own also did not receive you. But I pray, Father, that this year, this, this season, Lord, we will receive you, O Lord, into our hearts. We will open up our hearts like Lydia opened up our heart and opened up our home. O Father, that we will open up our hearts, O Lord Jesus. And Lord, through our lives and through our testimony, many people will be blessed, O Lord Jesus. Father, you opened up a church in that little, in that, in that lady's house, O Lord. I pray, Father, that you will open up people's hearts. You will open up people's homes. That their houses, O Lord Father, will be called house of prayer. To the nations, I pray, Lord Jesus, we speak that into the lives of our church to the members of our church, Lord, Father, this morning. Father, grant us grace to that and we pray, Lord. Grant us seriousness, O Lord, Father, that we will enjoy and delight in you, O Lord. Father, that we will never ever think that we have arrived, O Lord. That we will not critique the word, O Lord, Father, but we will receive with meekness the engrafted word that is able to save us. O Father, have mercy, O Lord. Have mercy, O Lord. Have mercy, O Lord. Have mercy. So many times, O Lord, as a church, we are guilty of taking your word for granted. But I pray, Lord Jesus, that Lord, Father, that we will not let go by you, O Lord. Father, don't pass us by this morning. Don't pass us by unless you bless us like Jacob said, O Lord. We don't want to go to this from this place. Grant us assurance, O Lord. Grant us assurance. Grant us repentance, O Lord. Through this week, through this month. Father, until we come to the end of this year. O Father, enable us to be in an attitude of gratitude. And let us never forget from where you picked us up from, Lord Jesus. O Father, have mercy, O Lord. Have mercy, O Lord. Have mercy. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We thank you. We praise you, Lord. We worship you, Father. Once again, we commit Pastor James into your hands, O Lord. Bring him back home safely. Grant him travel mercies, O Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for our church. Thank you, Father, for this pulpit. I pray, Father, that, Lord, this pulpit will never err, O Lord Jesus. It will never be diluted, O Lord. It will never compromise on your truth, O Lord, Father. That truly this place, O Lord, your will be your house, will be the pillar and ground of truth, O Lord. Grant us grace to that and we pray, O Lord. We are not capable in our own strength to do that, O Lord Jesus. Unless, O Lord, you encourage us, you empower us, O Lord, to do what you asked us to do and to make us worthy to be what we are to be, O Lord. Have mercy, O Lord. Have mercy, O Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We wish, we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Lord and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen.